All right, Brad, I'm pretty fired up here. Not because the the two sides, the players and the owners, actually talked today. Though, so, you know, <laughs> for, for little, two hours, more than seven minutes. There's a little yeah. bit of excitement, I guess. But I'm actually more excited because we're going to bring somebody on here who I have interviewed for this show in the past, though we never had him on video. You've never gotten a chance to talk to him. I got a bunch of questions from some KMBR listeners who listen nice. to the Giants. Uh, Darren Chan is going to join us here in a second. Uh, we're going to talk to Darren for 30 minutes uh, or so-ish. And then we'll let Darren get back to the family life. Get back. This is, a, this is you know, for, for people like Brad and I who have kids and who have, you know, family time, like the time that we record is actually not the easiest. So when we ask for guests, like the kids, the youngsters are like, oh, perfect. I just got oh, off yeah. work. But for family people, so I appreciate Darren making some time for us. Absolutely. But um, then after Darren's gone, we're going to come back and we're just going to kind of shoot the stuff. We'll probably talk a little bit about the Rams 49ers. So at that point, if you are only baseball giants and that's it, <laughs> you can shut the show off. But we would, we have to talk about it because it's my team and Brad's team. And we've kind of been building this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, we, we wrote out all the scenarios for this to actually happen and it crazily it happened see that that have to deal with this I'm all ready. week i'm ready all right so uh let's 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 hit the uh, the intro here and then we will bring darren in Spadrosian throws to sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base thompson has it throws to first it's over 27 years of waiting and pumped on in the giants have won the pennant So Darren heard that intro. I hope we don't get in trouble using the Hank call there for the 10 seconds or whatever. <laughs> because Darren works at KMBR. KMBR has all the rights to those calls. Uh, you know where you know where actually I got that call from is I have this old CD yeah. from uh, 1989, I believe it was, or early 90s. Mm -hmm. But they have all the calls from 87 and 89 and then back to the 60s as well. So that's where I grabbed that. So yeah. I hope we did. I, I hope we're not in trouble here. But <laughs> Darren Chan, producer and engineer, the San Francisco Giants Radio Network. He's the guy who makes it go. Darren, what's up, man? Hey, Garrett. What's going on, Brad? How you guys doing? Good to be hey. uh, with you guys. I, I'll tell you what. Um, you can use that call. I don't think anyone's going to bug you. <laughs> <laughs> it's old enough. What do they call that? Uh, Oh, uh, public domain at this point, yeah, right? I mean, it's yeah. Part of the, and I don't think anyone gets mad at that because that call will live as, I mean, in terms of Giants lore. I mean, it's, that was my call, you know, up until they win the World Series, right? That's the right. one that I remember. So that was so, the call. And Clark hits it up the middle. Yeah. And yeah. That, yeah. That, was, that was it. Um, that, you know, for a guy growing up as a Giants fan, I was in my teenage years in the late 80s. And for them to for get as far as they did in 89, the 87 team was always a special team in my heart. Yep. That was the team that yeah. finally made the playoffs. And, you know, I was born in 71. So there was I had no inkling of any sniff of the Giants being playoff worthy as a, as a child or a teenager growing up. And then 87 came around. And then in, in that infamous game out at, in St. Louis, when, when the ball got past Candy Maldonado, mm. sliding catch, I, I was I was I was in tears. That was yeah. a heartbreaker in 87. I think Mike Kruko would tell you that to this day, too, as well. But good to be on with you guys. It's 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 great. I love the Open. I love being on with you guys. So, uh, yeah, fire away. Anything you want to know about Giants radio, Giants broadcasting, KMBR, old stories, go, go for it. 
All right. So here, here's the great thing about this, right? Is not only does Darren run the show uh, on the radio side of things, he's also a really big fan. Like Brad and I, we all sort of come from the same era of Giants fandom. That's hence the, the name of this podcast. And so, you know, you, you know the ins and outs of the stuff going on today, but you can also go way back with us. And, you know, we won't take people back too far because we do want to talk a little bit about this current team. But I guess, like, the first question for me is um, we had talked, gosh, it was, uh, I don't even remember it, but it was during, like, smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, you decided to, to come on with me. And we were kind of talking about, like, you know, how are you producing a show today versus how you would normally do it? And there are going to be some questions about that because, some of the, the listeners want to know a little bit more about that. But I guess like how, you know, when you look at that team last year, being the fan that you are, you we all have our favorite teams. Sometimes our first favorite team still means the most to us. But 107 wins, yeah. like it, it is ridiculous. We may never see that again in our lifetime. How does that team rate for you when you compare it to all the favorite teams going back? Yeah, you know, uh, the, the 107 wins, obviously, there, there was a time in the in the season where I know a lot of us in the broadcast area were just kind of looking around and saying, my goodness, they just they just find new keep finding new ways to win. And there's all those dramatic games down at Dodger Stadium and and the the different heroes every night. Um, it, it was such a, a fun Fun season, obviously, not only for us, but obviously the viewers and the listeners. In terms of where it ranks in the specialness, I mean, your childhood team, your, your, the teams that you were associated as will always hold a special place in your heart. So like a lot of kids nowadays will, 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 who, who are growing up right now, seeing a giant team that win 107 games to win the West and outduel the Dodgers to win that title. But, you know, obviously the, the, uh, the, uh, the upset in, in, the, in the first round but for me, the 87 team, the 89 team, the 93 team still holds is, is my, my favorite if I had to rank all of them because of the specialness of all the circumstances that happened leading up to that year with the team about on the verge of leaving town um, and then the free agent signing of Barry Bonds and then just in that crazy, unbelievable race against the Braves for the NL West title. That one is, is always going to be number one. But late last year, man, I tell you what, in game five, I, I'll, I'll never forget in game one, the electricity at Oracle Park was just unbelievable. Kype uh, compared it to like those World Series runs, right? Yeah. I mean, game five, and there was a, so much, uh, game five, there was a nervous energy. And, and you could you could always sense it. It's really weird. It's indescribable. You I don't know whether it's the it's a buzz. It wasn't as loud as game one, but it was in more intense in every other way. Uh, so in terms of in terms of what it brought to the thrill of, of the imagination of of the team and everything, one hundred seven is a phenomenal. It's a franchise record number of wins, but to have to outlast your number one rival to win the division by one game to, to, to have to do what you did that, that, that was special in itself. So yeah, it was, it, it ranks definitely up there. I really haven't put it up there, but I tell you what, it's right behind, it's right in that cluster one, a one B uh, and number one, that with that 107 win team last year. Before we actually go any further, Darren did join us. 
Oh yeah. W- with an adult beverage here. Hey. Everyone knows Cheers. kind of our, our deal here. We, we like to have a drink. I have some chilled Terramana tequila. Uh, Brad, what are you drinking? Cause I, cause I see a nice little bottle there for Darren. Yeah. So I've got the Evan Williams, uh, single barrel. Uh, it was, a. Uh, barreled in 2013 bottled in 21 i've never had an eight-year-old bourbon before there you go. i like it i'm i'm not uh in the uh, economic range to do this uh, <laughs> normally but <laughs> but i saw it when i was at whole foods this week and i'm like I, I gotta get it i gotta get it so yeah well you guys are a lot more high class than i am not oh, to say I'm, that kona longboard isn't special but i this is this is this will do for me tonight um, Look, man, but- we, we we were just talking about it. We, Brad and I have been doing this at five o'clock every Monday, going back, uh, you know, a year and a half now, two years. So we, we our bodies adjust to having a drink at five and still being functional, you know, to hang out with our families. So complete, like the the beer is the right way to go. We we've just been doing this, yeah. so we like to we like to break it up. Totally okay. So I'm gonna throw I'm I'll throw this to Brad in a second, but I I, I failed to ask you. To a layman, to somebody who's like, what does Darren do for this the San Francisco Giants radio network for KMBR? Like when you when you give somebody here, here's what I do for the for the radio uh, side of things. What, what's your quick answer to that? Oh, that's that's a that's a good question. It's always uh, it's always more of a visual thing. Boy, to condense it down to like one or two <laughs> sentences, that's really tough. I the, my main title is I'm the producer engineer of. San Francisco Giants baseball on the radio and the Giants radio network. So um, basically I'm in charge of making sure obviously we're on the air for all our games, but it's kind of like a, a director's position kind of where you're, you're doing a multitude of things. You're setting up the equipment, you're make sure it's up and running. You're also producing the games, whether you're providing highlights, you're editing highlights, you're editing interviews for the pregame show, you're setting up microphones for the postgame show, you're setting up the timing for the pregame show, you're setting everything up so that the commercial break happens perfectly right during the national anthem so that you replay that with the sponsorship. And there are a multitude of giant sponsors that we take care of uh, every game. And uh, those are very important to us. And then we uh, have to maintain everything else that goes on during the game, providing game information as it happens, scoring decisions, uh, the editing of highlights, obviously, anything that John, Dave, Kruk, and Kipe need assistance on. Um, I'm there to help help put it together. Uh, it's, it's a multitude of things that I just really can't – it's hard to really put a visual on. I think a lot of people, when they come to the broadcast booth and they see it, and they look at you, and you just you see all the blinking lights and the faders and the knobs, and it just it 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 kind of throws everyone off. You're just kind of in awe, and they're asking like, "So, what do you do up here?" And then mm-hmm. I start telling them, and as they're looking around, I think they kind of like yeah, they they kind of like uh, just they're just baffled at everything that goes on there. <laughs> if you run the broadcast um, and you are synced up with the the studio. And it, it is it is it is not just a couple things. It is a multitude of things. But um, luckily, I've had I've had a few years of experience doing this. Uh, this is my going to be the six, 17, 18, 19, 20, the sixth year with the Giants. I did 16 with the Angels down in Anaheim. Wow. Uh, so, you know, when I first did this in 01, I didn't have uh, I didn't have any background to this. There really is no kind of training for this. You're kind of jumping off the deep end. And you're and you, I, I had a lot of advice from other 
people that were, have been doing it for, for a couple decades as well. But you really don't know until you start doing it and you start forming a groove and a rapport with the announcers. Um, look, I, I first met, I've, I've known Kruk and Kipe since the early 90s. Um, I knew Dave from all the times I saw him down in Angel Stadium when he was doing ESPN radio games. And probably the one person I didn't know as well on a personal level was John. And, and he's the one who's been it. doing it forever. And he's been doing it forever. I mean, so then John and I uh, really kind of clicked uh, since from day one when we met at spring training in 2017. And um, it's, it's, been, it's been a thrill to, to work with those guys. But um, that's what it is. You know, it's in a nutshell – it's everything that encompasses getting us on the air and running a fluid broadcast because ultimately the announcers and everybody else have questions and they, and they will come to you and you have to be the person that has, has the answers. So you almost have to be kind of one step ahead of what's going to happen to foresee events, possible conflicts, uh, making sure obviously the uh, certain uh, sponsorships are taken care of. And then the board op back at, the, at KMBR studios, they're in charge of all the, uh, commercials during the game itself. I don't play those. Uh, a lot of people think I'm, I might run that from, from from the booth. No, those are run by the board ops. We have a great crew back at KMBR that takes care of that. And then we also take care of the timing in the booth. Um, from the time they throw it to the on the Giants, San Francisco Giants radio network, is a one-minute and 50-second break. So usually it's a 60-second commercial by, by, followed by 30 a uh, 15 and like a five second rejoiner. Well, the way the umpires are working now, sometimes they like <laughs> to get the games moving and you have to blow off that five second little rejoiner. So every little second counts and timing is, is a big part of what I do. All right. Just so folks who are watching the video podcast, see a little bit of the, w- the booth there with uh, John Miller and, and Dwayne and, and Darren there. So one follow up, then I'll throw it to Brad, which is have you ever had what you would consider to be a perfect broadcast? Wow. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the perfect broadcasts to me are the ones where I don't have any remembrance of any issues at all. So <laughs> thankfully, that's happened a lot. That's uh, good. And, you and, guys and are a well-oiled machine. It's happened in this industry. Yeah, there, there's, yeah, it could be anything. It could be um, a microphone going bad or we lose Internet. Or we, it could be a, a whole host of things. So having a backup plan for every possible scenario, and I'm not claiming I have the right, all the right answers right away, too. That's part of the challenge of everything. If something drops out, you have to be able to figure out what exactly dropped out. And usually the answer uh, may not the answer may not be what you think it is. So um, yeah, that's that's generally a perfect broadcast is one where it, it's a great game. It's a nice, snappy game that's under three hours, I might add. Uh, and <laughs> right. it keeps the flow of the broadcast going. Um, as a program director once told me, he says, just because you don't have a good game doesn't mean you can't have a good broadcast. So I think that's what we strive to do. Awesome. Nice. All right, shoot yeah. away, Brad. Well, I worked in uh, in television production back in the day, too, in the 90s. We were talking a little bit about that before, too. So I worked at, uh, which is now NBC Bay Area at the time, it was KNTV Channel 11 in San Jose. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I directed news. I worked in production. And our saying was always, you know, when the broadcast was over, if nobody said your name, then you had a great show. <laughs> you never, <laughs> never want to be mentioned. So, That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thankfully, uh, with, the, with the guys, they, 
they're always very uh, in, in, in a different spin on that. Uh, the guys are extremely complimentary toward probably a little more of a complimentary than I, I would like them to be, but they're, they always, <laughs> uh, it's always a nice verbal pat on the back on, on the air. But yeah. uh, if something goes awry, oh, they'll have some fun with it because there's a lot of downtime <laughs> in baseball. Yes. Right. And uh, you, you, you can have some fun if something goes, uh, you know, if you, if, if something you, falls if you in ever, the background. If you ever hear them say DC, they're talking about Darren. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We do hear that. I, I, we love it because I were well, again, we're big. We grew up uh, with baseball on the radio. I mean, that's how it was. I grew up in Santa Clara. I did not have cable in my neighborhood in the 70s and 80s growing up. Yeah. So be, being a Giants fan, it was, you know, it was radio. And, and we bring out the boom box of the front yard, play wiffle ball, listen to the Giants games. And it yeah. wasn't a lot of TV for us. So, yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's the beauty of baseball on the radio. And that's why it is is the number one sport on the radio. It's because you can follow along with the game. You can visualize it and you don't have to be staring at the radio or at a TV. You can follow along, which is a credit to great announcers. Yeah, yeah. that they're able to paint that picture and keep you uh, entertained and, and in, informed of what's going on throughout a three plus hour broadcast that's not an easy thing to do i think we've all tried it at some point calling games <laughs> off the of tv as a yeah. kid a, t- a youth or whatever and okay you can call ball one outside and then what you have another 40 seconds <laughs> right. until that next pitch is thrown and it yes. goes on and repeat rinse repeat so it's uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's part of it yeah i know doing san jose giants games back in the day when i was the only one on the mic that was a really long three hours sometimes. And, uh, you know, you had to have, yeah. you had to have everything in front of you and ready to go. So yeah, I completely understand. Yeah. I mean, if people want to sort of see a, a nice parody of it is uh, that TV show, Brock Meyer, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he has to do a lot of that and he kind of talks, you know, he, he goes on and on and on. It's, it's kind of like a, a play on what Darren's saying. All right, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So kind of playing off of what it is that you do, take us through just a real quick uh, 6.45 PM start. What's your day like getting to the ballpark and the, and from the time you get there to the time you leave, not in every detail, but you know, just kind of a, a rundown of what it is you do step-by-step. Step. Well, uh, so we'll talk about home games first. Uh, so a games at Oracle park, we probably get to the ballpark, uh, I probably get there around uh, three o'clock. Um, oh wow! And we go over. Yeah, it's not super early. Uh, not like the road on the first day of a road game, uh, of a road series. I usually get there around in the two o'clock range, but around three o'clock, three thirty, depending on, on on how things are looking for the, for the day. And usually we get the um, open up all the windows, take care of all the equipment, make sure that's up and running, test everything, and then the electronic stuff is taking care of all the equipment. So that's that's been through the test. And now you start have to get all your sponsorship reads all taken care of. And you want to go through that complete list. Then you have to go over the pregame timings uh, from the ballpark. Uh, all the people from the entertainment department will send you the information on the anthem singer. If there are any pregame ceremonies, we got to take care of. And then after you time that out and make sure there's no other uh, curveballs in that in terms of how the pregame starts. So 645 game. The KBR pregame show starts at 5.45 no matter what. It's always one hour ahead of the first pitch. So even if it's 7.05, it's going to start at 6.05. Mm-hmm. So 30 minutes before each first pitch is the Crook and Kipe show. So one of the pregame responsibilities is I got to get together with Crook and Kipe to do a four-minute radio show. And that one has to be kind of on time. Um, they do a, about a 10-second intro. We take a commercial break. 
And then we do um, anywhere from a three minute, 45 second uh, inter uh, not interview, but kind of a show until about four ten, five four thirty. If that, if it runs long, then they, in comes some some editing. So we have to trim that up because we have the Gabe Kapler show, which starts twenty minutes prior to first pitch. Now, because you don't want uh, some stations on the on the network on the affiliates, they don't come on the air until twenty minutes before uh, the Gabe Kapler show may be the first show they take. So they have to be ready. To, we have to be ready to go for them exactly 20 minutes out so Krukenkype cannot go long if they do it goes seconds over and that throws off the whole network now that's not live right the Kapler thing is pre-recorded correct that's pre-recorded and uh it used to be pre-pandemic uh John would go down there and he would do the one-on-one interview I would give him a recorder and he'd go down and do the interview down on the field well once the pandemic hit we had to do everything via zoom so it was interesting because, you know, Gabe Kapler came on board at the beginning of, uh, of 20, uh, 2020. Right. And so we had that 60-game season. We did all 60 games doing Zoom because we had no physical interaction with any players, coaches, or managers, or any staff down there. Um, so it was interesting. And then to the beginning of last year, it was the same deal. We had to do every show via Zoom. So John would be in the booth. I would be in behind the console. And then we'd set up a time with Angels, uh, with Giants PR, with Matt Chisholm, and we'd set up, and, we, and Cap was always on time. If, if he was, if we were doing it 440, Cap was always there at 440, unless he went long with, like, the writers uh, with their Zoom call. But in the middle of the season, things started getting a little loose with, with the COVID restrictions, and, and we were able to go down the field and do the interviews uh, like that as well. We didn't travel in the second half of the season. Uh, we didn't travel into the playoffs, uh, but because of that, we still had to do the uh, the road games via Zoom because obviously we weren't with the team at say Dodger Stadium. Right, and, and is that going to happen? Do you for uh, this upcoming season? Are you guys going to have to start that way again? So as it stands right now, the goal is to to travel. Uh, oh wow, so we, we would be nice. Back. Um, and that's kind of, I guess you might want to say nothing's official. It's, it's, uh, it's not really, I don't know you consider breaking news, but it's, it's something that I think, as well. Yeah. Everyone has, everyone has a, has this goal to get us back on the road because, uh, in general, the sound is better. The play calling is better. It's easier for everybody. And that's the way it should be, uh, that we yeah. are at every game where every ballpark, the actions in front of you, you can only do so much when you have, even though you have a multitude of feeds coming in from the road ballpark into our place at Oracle Park, it's just not the same. And everyone will tell you that around baseball, not just us. So, so the last the last time you and I talked, I think uh, when we were talking about some of the difficulty in, in doing that remote broadcast from Oracle when the game is actually, say, at Dodger Stadium, you guys were very reliant on the TV broadcast coming in so if they came in late and you guys missed a pitch you guys literally missed a pitch because you didn't see it right yeah we're not getting the the same feed that viewers may see on nbc sports bay area we're getting a feed that includes that feed from the road so let's say the giants are in milwaukee what will happen is brewers television will send out what they call the world feed and the world feed is their primary broadcast where they send it they have to shoot the game as if they're kind of neutral now having said that uh the giants tv crew jeff kuyper and, and jim lynch uh, they have their one camera at their disposal that they can command and shoot 
um, fans in the stands, which is a big part of, of Giants broadcast, kind of mm-hmm. like the thing. And and that that's that in itself is a whole different thing because that that is absolute magic with Kruk and Kipe. Oh yeah. Um, but the, uh, they have one camera at their disposal. When back in the day, you know, they would have half a dozen cameras in the stands at their disposal, and they would have they could tell every camera person where to shoot. So that's that's a completely uh, different ball game. So. Um, uh, we also get the other feeds are you we get camera shots of uh, static camera shots of the bullpens so we see who's warming up and then we get a uh, a, uh, a shot of the scoreboard and then we get a uh, what they call the all nine and this is a camera that's mounted near the top of the stadium and that shoots down from foul pole to foul pole mm-hmm. and you can see where all the players are positioned and on top of all that there's also a special mlb program which allows us to have virtually instantaneous statistical and analytical information on our laptops or iPads or whatever. And we can see the positioning of each player represented as a dot on the field. And if they're shifting over to the left side, we can see that shift happening maybe a quarter second later. So we can see we, we have as many tools at our disposal as possible. Wow. All right. So, so this question came from someone who you, I think you've, you've met before. Uh, baby Huey from 107 The Bone. Yeah, he 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 had a question, and I think this will sort of dovetail into a question that Brad is going to ask. So I'll we we talked about this the last time we chatted, but there's going to be new listeners here, and so you can definitely tell a shorter version of this story if you want. But Baby Huey just wanted to know, you know, from a tech standpoint, doing everything during the pandemic. Uh, you know, you kind of you kind of answered some of this, which is the TV camera feeds that you got and, and everything. But he wanted to kind of know, like, um, was there anything from a tech standpoint that, uh, you know, w- was just so different because of the fact that you weren't able to do a game, both home and road with with fans and, and everything? So he just kind of wanted, you know, you you can just summarize kind of how it was different doing a game with no fans and during the pandemic? Well, in, in 2020, when we had the fake crowd, that was one of the biggest things leading into Nook because it had never been done before, nor was it you know, ever needed. Uh, so baseball, we had gone through many meetings and ideas as to how we were going to generate crowd noise. And so before they settled on blasting crowd, generic crowd noise over the speaker systems, the stadium speaker systems around baseball, there was a time where we thought we would have to put together every uh, crowd noise on our own and to mix it in the booth, almost as if we were kind of making up a game, so to speak. Like the, the action would be live. It would be true to picture. It, everything would be live with announcers. But my role was going to be, on top of everything, was to mix in a crowd that was going to be reactive to things that could possibly happen on the field. And I think I got a little more fancy than I wanted to <laughs> because in my analysis, I, I found out when I was going through 2019 highlights and some sound that day crowds sounded different from night crowds at Oracle Park. Night crowds, were, especially on a Friday night, were a lot more boisterous. There was a lot more energy in the crowd, whereas a Wednesday day game, against the reds may sound a little differently was there a wind difference between night and day uh in terms of the well okay so if you're talking about the actual ballpark itself if you remember at oracle park we're uh, on the port walk in right field that used to be open for the fans to be able to walk up and watch the games through the gates 
Uh, so because of the pandemic, they didn't want people gathering on the port walk. And this was kind of like during the height of the lockdown. And, and so those were boarded up. Well, coincidentally, the Giants started hitting a lot of home runs, <laughs> a lot of home runs. And into last year, the beginning of last year, that port walk, those openings were closed. Home runs continued. So the question was asked whether or not that was contributing to the home runs. Was the win being affected uh, by those closed areas. So as we got toward the end of the season, the port walk opened. However, there was plexiglass now in that area. Ah. So did it cut down on a win? Quite possibly. There, I don't think there was any official you know, uh, scientific study on the wind direction uh, leading from that area. But I think a lot of people were, came up with the thought that, yeah, th there might be something to it. So well, if they did just do it, do a, a team study on it, they may not have released. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say, well, this year when the Giants are yeah. hitting, yeah. they're going to close it. Yeah, and like when the, old, the other yeah. team is hitting, they're going to open it. That's it like the old the controversy at the Metronome. Years I was going to say, yeah, yeah, sure. They always thought, you know, it was a controversy. Then they interviewed a guy uh, who was a worker there who said, oh, yeah, I used to turn the fans on all the time. And then uh, the Minnesota Brass said, no, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think I teed you up there, Brad. For yeah, the yeah. So, so talking about the tech stuff, because Garrett and I are big tech guys. So my job yeah. now is I edit audio and video all day long. I've been doing that now for 17 years. Um, and that's what I do every day. And so, and Garrett's a big tech guy. So what kind of things did you stumble onto tech-wise during the pandemic 2020 20 and 21 that you're kind of carrying over now and something you can use kind of the rest of your career to say hey if the pandemic never happened i don't know if i would have stumbled onto this type of great stuff that's going to help me out you know further in the broadcast sure well i'll give you an example with with the pregame shows when we were doing the gabe kapler shows via zoom um I learned to, because of that, you can trim out virtually a couple breaths that sound natural to shave time. And I started um, studying probably the wave files a little bit more. I could see the patterns on the screen and mix them up so that it doesn't have that choppiness. And I got something that I never really had to pay that much attention to. But because uh, in, a, in a closed environment where we're doing kind of studio recordings, where as opposed to John going down on the field and doing the interview with Capper down on the field, if, if you make an edit with background, back crack noise, it's a little more noticeable. Yeah. But in a situation where it's quiet, it's, you, you can do a lot more digital audio editing, tighter and something that uh, is unnoticeable to the to the audience, and that's kind of like what, what I um, I think a lot of people in our in our field kind of pride ourselves on is is making some kind of wild edit where if you didn't tell anybody it happened, it never would it, they would have no idea or no clue that it happened, and that that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I edit uh, interviews, um, defendant interviews. I work for a, a prosecution for a or for a district attorney's office, so I cut interviews and you play it for the jury and the, and the prosecutors are always saying, I don't want to hear like any noticeable. So when I edit video, the yeah. trick is 
I don't look at the video. I pull up the waveform so I can see the audio instead of looking at the video to try to get those. Then I go back and look at the video afterwards. So that's, that's a really good trick that you learned. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic when you nail it and you feel yeah. so good afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'll tell you the digital, digital editing has, has obviously come a long way and, and it's something yeah. that, uh, heck I wasn't even using that when I first started doing this uh, 20 plus years ago. I mean, we were still using highlights, uh, recording them on mini discs yeah. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and you would log, you would do a track mark, almost like for people don't don't know what mini discs were. There were there were like little squares that that were had a digital, almost like a CD, a, a recordable CD that you can constantly rewrite, and you would leave these little track mark buttons, and then you'd write down number one, you know, uh, first dad hit two this uh, hit, you know, and you would have a whole laundry list where you would have to go back and re-edit those highlights on the fly and play them back from the track number. Uh, how are you doing that? So now it's obviously evolved, evolved where it's completely different, a lot easier to do now, um, as long as you keep track of everything and make sure you know what's what and, and cutting highlights on the fly, so to speak. But even going back to when I was a kid growing up to Giants baseball, listening to the highlights on the post-game show, when Hank and Ron were doing the games and my predecessor, the great Lee Jones, uh, when I used to watch him do it, there was no digital recording back then. Every game was recorded on cassettes. And Lee J would have a slew of about maybe two dozen cassettes and he would record them on a cassette recorder. And then after a highlight happened, well, let's say a Will Clark home run, he would stop the cassette, label it Clark home run, Giants one nothing, <laughs> put it to the side, and then put in another cassette and start recording there. And then at the end of the game, he would have to go back and queue up the highlights to the beginning of where that cassette was. That's the beginning. <laughs> he would have to rewind the cassette a few yeah. seconds to the yeah, pitch. Yeah. And then he would have to play them and shuffle them in and out of his cassette recorder uh, once the highlights were being gone over. Wow. It, it's, 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 it's a vast difference from how it is. Oh, oh yeah. Now. So what, the cassette he would put off to the side, you'd have the highlight would be right at the end. Mm -hmm. So you knew, okay, so this one is Clark's home run. Yeah. I just have to go back. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of my worst takes ever was that the Sony mini disc was going to win out in the MP3 player war. Oh my <laughs> God. Cause I had one and yeah. by about month, the end of the first month of owning a Sony mini disc player as a portable listening device. Yeah. I was out because the batteries would run out so fast yeah. and you could only fit 45 minutes of stuff on it. So it was, I, I was out on it. And of course, hard drive was a, mu a much better idea, but so, yeah. you know, Dar Darren's talking about kind of going back in the day when I was at KMBR, right before I left KMBR, we started storing highlights on a, a machine. Prior to that, we were still doing it reel to reel. Mm -hmm. Like we were literally, yeah. Taping, <laughs> like you know, if the reel ripped, like oh, just put a piece of tape on it. Like, I mean, it was it was ridiculous. You think about it. I mean, I guess it now it is. You know, over twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, or whatever. But yeah. it, it wasn't. That, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago to where the technology was so old compared to today. I'm sure it's so much better than 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 doing that. But yeah, I remember the first. Like I was literally there when they replaced the reel to reel machine, and they had to teach us how to use the the hard drive or whatever they were using to, to grab. The yeah. Uh, there were, there were dad tapes for a while too, as well, uh, which are like, uh, for lack of a better term, they were almost like little mini VCR tapes for yeah. audio only. And they were, they were smaller than a deck of cards. 
And those are great for a while. Um, but like you said, we used to record, we used to uh, record hot warrior highlights when oh, yeah. came BR back in the nineties. And when something would have happened, you know, if it was, you know, Chris Weber jam, you would take a little piece of paper and put C web. And then as the reel, the reel is yep. tracking, you stick that piece of tape into that reel and it kept going. And then <laughs> next thing you know, you had this giant reel with like little white flags all around. And then somebody had to go back to the reel, the reel in a different studio and dub those highlights with those flags onto a cart. Wow. analog card so it was completely different ballgame a lot tougher than it was now and then oh yeah you know, I, I would say a lot you know we, every giants game is on a digital file from the last 20 years which is great but you get to that area gray area where it's pre-2000 and there's a lot of games that are full games i should say uh, that are missing uh oh wow because, yeah they're not they just don't exist uh, anymore because they um, the times necessitated you just you didn't you recorded you re-recorded games over certain games it just wasn't the, the need or the expense to to save a game from 1992 in July against the Braves it just there was no need to keep it at, at the thought process at the time but in the digital age where you know data cost is so cheap and memory is so cheap uh, there's no reason not to keep every game on file. Yeah, all the stuff that you're talking about just brings me memories. And so we're going to tee up Brad's last question because uh, I have three from from listeners and then we'll get you out of here. But what you were saying just reminded me of a story like, you know, when you when you're doing a a day Giants game and there's a home run, you want to catch that highlight. And like Darren said, you put the little thing in. And so you're, you're reminded. And if you didn't. Like sometimes you wanted to uh, get them a little bit more quickly because, you know, after the game, John Schrader's coming up and he's doing his 15, <laughs> you know, f- you know, five fifteen update. And if yeah. you didn't have what he wanted, yeah, you were scrambling, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, he was he was a really nice guy. Like he yeah. he wasn't going to be hard on us. He knew we were just young dudes trying to right. make it, you know. But I, you know, there were times where you're like. I got to get this, but then if I get this, then I got to go to the other reel to keep the game going. And so you had to play this like dance. And, you know, I remember one time uh, I had to, I had to get on with John and I would had to tell him like, I missed it, dude. Like, I'm so sorry. I missed it. You know, the thing that he yeah. wanted and uh, you know, he was not, he was totally nice about it, but uh, you know, for his job, he's like, you know, let, let's just make sure, you know, we get we get the, the ones the next time, you know, you know, and I was like, I know, I know I feel so bad. But right. Like those were the days back then. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, Brad, your last oh, question yeah. before we get to the listener. Oh, you guys are giving me the sweats talking about <laughs> analog again. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Having nightmares. Um, so so obviously we want to get back to baseball. I mean, yeah. we're in a lockout. They got back together today. Two hour conversation. It kind of just went it didn't go great it didn't go bad um but you i i I kind of get darren where you're you might answer this one now that i think about it because you're a producer uh you kind of want some games to to you know be nice and clean nice and quick let's let's have a good quick clean nice game Mm -hmm. um so of all the baseball rumored changes that are kind of flying around that might be in new CBAs and, and whatnot. Uh, what, what excites you the most more as a baseball fan? Uh, are you looking more like, you know, the <clears throat> national league DH, uh, um, 
you know, no more shifts, uh, you know, of all the ones that are flying out there, pitch timers, robot umps, stuff robot like umps, especially after home. game five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what kind of excites you as a baseball fan? Well, there's, there, there's, there's a slew of, uh, of, of opinions that I have, <laughs> none of them will count, but I've seen, <laughs> I see, I've seen enough games where uh, I, I, I've generated this this perfect uh, opinion of what, what how things should change in baseball. Um, first of all, a lot of people talk about the length of the games, and and, and it's true. The length of the games do, I, I believe, affect the the overall enjoyment of the games for the most part. Okay, you could have a thrilling slugfest. Some people like the twelve eleven games that go three hours and thirty five minutes back and forth. That's fine once in a while, but you can't have that all the time. Yeah. Most people prefer a low-scoring pitcher's duel. Problem is, a lot of times, pitchers don't go deep into games anymore, so we've kind of lost the luster on that. I grew up a National League guy, like a lot of people, grew up Giants, and you swear you would never want the DH in the National League. I'm resigned to the fact that the DH is here and it's going to yeah. stay. That's that's where, where we've been, too. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. They don't. Pitchers don't learn to hit. They don't learn to bunt at the lower levels. So why are we we're like keeping? They get hurt the- taking hacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that one is good. That's I don't think they're going to settle on that because the players have a uh, you know that's another job at, mm-hmm. uh, at, at for a DH and so it keeps players uh, in the game longer and I think that's overall good for the on the player side um, back to the time of games I, it's not necessarily the time of games it's the pace of play that leads to the time of games and the pace of play is I'm talking about when a pitcher is standing on the mound and he's not he gets the ball and he's rubbing it up and he's stepping off the rubber and he's he's going through the signs again and he's going back and forth or if a batter steps out of the box constantly to adjust the gloves when he doesn't have a foot inside the box all these little things that sound trivial and they're just a couple seconds here and there they all add up i hear one of the biggest myths is lower the times the commercial breaks the commercial breaks have not changed in 20 years in terms of the length between innings i should say they've changed from the baseball standpoint they right now, uh, as it stands, last year it was two minutes and five seconds between innings, down from two minutes twenty seconds. Oh wow! Um, from from previous years, but the only time that commercial lengths go longer are during playoff games when there are more advertisements sold on a more national, national level. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, th- that that's that's a little bit of it. Okay. Um, in terms of what I'm passionate about, the the shift. The one thing I've never understood about the shift and why people think that it should be banned is that I think the adjustments have been need to be made by the batter. I never understood why in football, if you have a, a running attack, if you, if you know the offense is going to run, you, you change your defense to adjust to the run. But how does the offense counter on that? Well, you're going to throw in a pass play. Kind of the same in baseball. If they have... Brandon Bell shifted out to, you know, 500 players out to, to right field. On, and he should lay down. I mean, granted, it's a sensitive issue what happened last oh year. Oh, my God. The thumb. But why not learn to go the other way? Why is the onus on changing the rules rather than having players adjust to the defensive scheme of the other team? I think that's part of what baseball and the whole sport is about is making these adjustments. Now, maybe I'm simplifying it and making it a little change. But if the analytics say that this guy hits to the right side 85% of the time, 
of course they're going to shift to that side. Um, I think one of the things that, that, that Kruk and Kuyp are passionate about is the loss of double play depth. There's not enough double plays that have been turned. And that's true because of the shift. Yeah. People with teams would rather play in the shift rather than turn, being able to be in position to turn too easily. So these, those are not the easiest questions uh, to, to answer. Um, and, and nobody has the right answer for it, obviously. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up by saying that robo-umps, I'm not, I'm not 100%. I, I like it, but it has to be – I like the idea in general, but a lot of people, and I can kind of get on board with this, feel that it's the nature, it's part of the game, the human element of whether or not it's it, – nobody – the game is built on failure. A 300 hitter fails 7 out of 10 times, right? And he's still a good hitter. It's it's not easy being an umpire or a referee in football or basketball. None of those sports has perfect officiating. And I think what it is is that baseball is one of those games where it's so easy to second guess. Heck, you're sitting in the stands. You think you could do better than the second baseman anyway <laughs> if he muffs the ball between his legs, right? He's like, I could do that. Well, of course you couldn't do that. Otherwise, you'd be doing it. Yeah. So, of course, it looks easier to the players. So. Um, yeah. In terms of the robo umps, I'd be curious. You know, I, I think players did a, they did an informal survey a year or, or two ago, whether or not they would welcome the the robo umps. And it wasn't like, from what I remember, it wasn't like a slam dunk. It wasn't like every player said, "Yeah, bring them on." Uh, I think I think a lot of people were hesitant to see, well, what is this going to bring? And even if you bring the robo umps, at what what point is someone going to find a little workaround to? nip the outside corner to get yeah. that called strike, which would normally not be called a strike. Just yeah. Nothing, for one of those yeah. nothing but nothing but backdoor stuff well, to just yeah. glance the corner. Yeah. Right. That's totally. what happened in the Arizona fall league. They went with robot umpires and people were hitting slivers of the corner of the zone and getting called strikes and the players were not enjoying that. So yeah. yeah it, well, there you go. There yeah, you go. It's, it's a tough sell. Yeah, yeah I mean the 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 shift is analytics on top of analytics, right? Because the 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 shift you're saying, okay, this is what this guy does generally. But if you're the hitter, the hitting coach is like, we want you to hit the ball in the air anyway. So what does it matter? Yeah. But you don't hit the ball in the air all the time. So yeah. it's it's just analytics against analytics, and and then who? I mean, I I sort of agree with Darren, could only because you know when I'm growing up as a middle infielder, like that was part of the game was like, I know where this guy's going to hit the ball. So I'm going to lean this way or that way. And that's going to give me an advantage over the, the people who don't follow closely, you know? So I completely get that. Yeah. Okay. And we always told people growing up, why do you like baseball so much? Because it's a chess match. Mm-hmm. That's it's a smart game. You have to outthink each other one step at a time. And that's what the shift is. You do this. I'm going to try this. Yeah. So yep. I, I agree. All right. Let's uh, I have one question about your post-game show, The Wrap, which it not, you know, not only do the Giants have some of the best broadcasters calling the game, but the post-game show has kind of become like the San Francisco Giants version of inside the NBA, right? The NBA's great post-game show. Everybody watches those games in anticipation to see what Chuck and Shaq and Kenny and Ernie have to say. And I feel like, you know, this is the Giants version of that. Um, and, you know, even even if you watch a game on TV, you kind of then want to go back to the radio to hear the rap because it, it, it's such a good show. Now, how did that show evolve into what it is today? Well, my understanding, it obviously predates when I when I joined the broadcast. But uh, the original intention was just to do an announcer rap, which was supposed to be super casual. 
in fact, uh, the the uh, the genesis of the, the idea was just to have a, a friendly friends just recapping the game, doing some analysis. Um, heck, you know, have a have a drink or two after the game, or just yeah. relax. You know, that that's what kind it of is. Stuff. And then, yeah, and then uh, eventually someone came up, and I I don't know who came up with the idea, and it was a great idea, was to simulcast or to record the rap uh, and put it on Giants TV on the postgame show as well. So for a while, for the first couple of years, uh, up until the end of 2019, the postgame rap was simulcast or slightly tape delayed for TV, but you would have all four guys, Dave, John, Crook, and Kype, and we had robo cameras in the booth. So it was basically just five of us. I was just off to off camera to the side. And we do two segments where it, it was it was recapping of the game of the first one. Uh, second segment where guys, each guy would make a pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, the challenge on the on the making the picks or, or a player of the game was to always not pick the obvious guy. I think a lot of guys like yeah. playing, um, choosing the maybe a little insider pick, as David exactly. likes to call it. Where you pick a player that necessarily he did something in the game that was maybe an adjustment that uh, maybe resulted on a runner going to second on on a certain play, but it wouldn't show up in the in the box score, nor was it the game winning hit, and that would be an insider pick. Um, so a lot of that was on on the on the minds of the guys, and you know it's funny because they would always rotate. If you if you notice next time you listen to the KMBR post game rap. Uh, the same guy does not start every day. It's uh, it always uh, goes in a rotation order, and I don't know how Dave memorizes. He's got so many things going on, but he always knows who, who goes first. It's almost like in poker, the small blind, big blind. You know, yeah, yeah, it yeah, always yeah. moves around. Okay, so uh, he, he, he's we go around, and the object is sometimes you don't want to be the first guy. Sometimes you do want to be the first guy. It depends on the game. And um, after that, then you choose your player of the game and then you take a look toward the next game. But I think a lot of people do like it. It's a great analogy if you're inside the NBA because that's what it is. It's a bunch of guys talking about the game. It's very casual. It's loose. It's a lot of fun. Sometimes there's, you know, it's it's just guys breaking each other. And I think it, it really dives into the heart of the broadcast because Giants fans have been so associated and so um used to having these extended family members for so many years as as part of uh of a part of their their post-game deal that it, it, it holds a special part and and hopefully that it just lasts for as long as it can yeah what you said about you know maybe not having the most obvious one it's always great and the other thing that's always great is their response like every pick is like oh great oh my gosh (laughs) great pick (laughs) i love that it makes me laugh every time (laughs) um uh, okay so a couple questions here uh from john quinn big time giants fan he says any stories on the radio side being frustrated over a call but obviously you gotta sort of you know keep your composure there but, um, you know, maybe that the Giants got hosed on something and, yeah. and they're just like, what in the heck is going on here? There's there's there were uh, there was one time where um, and I forget what it was a couple of years ago where the Giants had a rally going and I forget who the home plate umpire was. But the Dave was on the call and uh, <laughs> and the um, it was it was a pitch that was 
called uh, the Giants threw a pitch and the the ball was outside and didn't and was not it was called a strike or I can't remember how it went, but it was frustrating enough where you can audibly hear Dave hit the table. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh, it was a big moment in the game. I, I think it may have been like a, you know, uh, yeah. it was a situation where it wasn't a call. And then so you, when you listen to it, um, you could hear the, the table <laughs> being slammed. And like, I wonder if people realize that was Dave or something. Like that. He dropped things off in the back. Yeah, yeah exactly. You never it wasn't know. me. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes things like that happen. Yeah. All right. From uh, Jeremy Fe- Feinstone, our buddy Jeremy, who's been on this show with Brad and myself. Uh, he was curious if there was a time that you can remember where somebody on the broadcast made you laugh so hard that you almost could not do your job. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll tell you what. The, the, the humor of Dwayne Kuyper cannot be understated. <laughs> he, 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 is, he is a phenomenal uh, storyteller. He is... Uh, a guy who has the driest sense of humor. And if you're not on your toes, you will not realize that he just made a quip that was so brilliant. <laughs> I don't have one uh, that off the top of my head, but he's got so many like little, especially when, when Kype sometimes doing the game solo on radio, he'll have, he's almost like he's talking to a listener, obviously that's, that's a thing, but he'll be kind of like, Sometimes I feel like he's just he's talking to me, and then he'll do something where he'll hit the mute button, and he'll turn around and look at me, and then he'll give me the eye roll, <laughs> and then he'll go back to the game, and that that stuff cracks me up because it's like he, he, he it's it's a connection that only us can see, and the listener had no idea that anything happened. Um, there, there. I've never a- had an instance where I, I mean. I audibly laugh in the booth, which I, the guys have no problem with. I think <laughs> if there's a funny story or 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 a good one. I'll, I'll let it out, and no one's ever told me to keep it down or anything like that. It, it's it's good storytelling. Um, there was a gosh, this had to have been. I, I can't even think of how many years ago it was now, but he was Dwayne was reenacting a story in which somebody like mispronounced his name or something, and he mm. kept saying like. Dwani Kaipi and like he was busting Kruko up so hard and yeah. you know when you hear people laugh it makes you want to laugh yeah I just remember that just dying laughing I couldn't stop laughing and like yeah. Kaip wasn't really laughing he was just telling the story and Kruk's cracking up and I'm cracking up like tears he's 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 amazing and, yeah. and you know we're happy that you know he he's doing better and and he was able to broadcast again because Man, you know, we go back to when Dwayne was playing, and he would do the Dwayne Kuyper show. Yeah, yeah. Before the yeah. games uh, on KMB, on the KMBR broadcast, so that's how far we go back. Yeah, and, and in fact, uh, there was a period, and I, and I think Kuyper has told the story before too publicly. Uh, there was a time where Kuyper almost left for another team. Uh, this was at the end of the '92 season when the Giants were on their way to Tampa Bay, and uh, the Giants. He had, Kuyper was doing some TV for the Giants. And because of the uncertainty of what was going to happen in an impending sale, uh, that Kipe was advised to to find another you know TV gig, another announcing gig. So he was almost out the door, uh, and obviously stayed with, with the team staying in, in San Francisco. But there there was that period we could have lost Kipe to the to the Rockies, and who wow. knows how that would have changed. Uh, yeah, the, the that's tide crazy. Of, of the history of the broadcasting team of the Giants. 
All right, last question here, and we'll let you go. You've been so kind with your time, and you know, unlike you, where you run a clean broadcast, I've not yet mastered that. I said <laughs> we're going to keep Darren here for a half an hour at like fifty-five minutes. And what did I tell you earlier? <laughs> I said it's going to go more than thirty. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, no problem. I know, so silly on my end. Okay, so this is this is Rom. Now, uh, let me give you a little bit of background on Rom. Rom is a podcaster himself. He's actually. Uh, my oldest son, one of my old, one of my oldest sons, good buddies. They went to uh, University of Arizona together, so he's young enough to where to him, the good old days would be like 2005. Like <laughs> yeah. that's how young he is. Okay, here, but here's his question. Okay. He says he, it's actually a, a point A and a point B. First, his, his and you may have already given this with your Dave Fleming story, but he wanted to know what your favorite Dave Fleming moment was, and then the follow up was. What is the first moment where you worked with John Miller, who you've mentioned now that you, ha- you, you didn't really know before you took the job at KMBR uh, or you came back to KMBR, where you said, wow, I'm working with somebody who's just like, you know, at the, at the top of their craft? Yeah. Uh, you know, like a lot of people, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, the analogy I, I'll draw is um, if you run into a lot of players, maybe not in this current day and age, but if you go back to players maybe 10 years ago, there were a lot of players that grew up on Atlanta Braves baseball on TBS, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it was, you know, six Oh five, uh, at, at night, uh, or well, if WCW wasn't on, but yeah, it, after it, world it, championship wrestling, man, right. Exactly. <laughs> and Braves baseball is always being, uh, you know, interrupting our, interrupting our wrestling, man. Right, the Braves exactly. come on. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> a lot of people grew up in, in markets, baseball players grew up in a lot of markets where there was not a major league team there. And the Braves became their team because the Braves were always on TV. So for a while, there were a lot of players where you would hear interviews and you pick up and it was like, you know, Dale Murphy was my favorite or whoever. And uh, so there, there were a lot of people that grew up on Braves baseball. Nowadays, there are there are a lot of players that grew up on Sunday Night Baseball with John Miller. Yep. And, um, you know, back, I'm sure in, in the same way where, where people used to watch the game of the week with Vince Scully used to do the NBC Saturday games. They knew Vince Scully not as a Dodger announcer, but as the guy that was calling games with Joe Garagiola. Sure. So, uh, in the same way, uh, Joe and uh, sorry, John and Joe Joe Morgan were together for over twenty years on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, calling all the big events and calling on ESPN Radio for the playoffs and World Series for so many years. And so, I think a lot of I've seen a lot of people and I've heard stories of players, you know, being wanting to meet John. For the first time, because they knew that they were they were kind of in awe that yeah. he was there, standing there at, around BP, around the cage. That's their so broadcast. I that yeah, was a cool thing. Um, I'll give you a quick John story. When we were in Baltimore, uh, I want to say around 2019 uh, for interleague play, and, we're and that's where he that's where he came from. To, to and he was there for many the years. Giants. Yeah, uh, with, with 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 the Orioles, and it was it wasn't the first time he had been back, but it had been a while since he had been there. And we walked back to the hotel together after the after the we signed off the air, and uh, I, I wanted to do that because you know John could point out all kinds of things about the Inner Harbor. He could show me about it. Plus, it's a sure. short walk anyway. So we're we come to the behind the home plate gate, and that's usually where a lot of fans stand out there just to get autographs or whatever from players or coaches coming out from the game. 
Oh, I kid you not. There were there may have been about 100, 150 fans just standing around waiting for John to wow. come out. And so we basically stood there. I stood there and I watched John interact with each person that came up, wanted to do a selfie, sign baseballs, <laughs> sign ticket stubs. Uh, and I heard so many different stories about, hey, John, you know, I grew up to you, listening to you. I, I grew up in Annapolis or, you know, I grew up down the road in Virginia and I, I, you were, the, you know, you were the soundtrack of my summer. I mean, all these stories. So it was like really cool to hear. And he engaged with each person and he took the time out to talk to each person. And we were there for quite a while. And even if we, were, we were walking back to the hotel after all that and people were still stopping him. And, and getting, you know, pictures and, and, and signs there. So John is so gracious, and he's still still very beloved in Baltimore. And he's got uh, good Instagram game there, too. He Oh, yeah. that, that's another yeah. amazing thing. People can't believe he is. He not only does Instagram selfies or just stops, <laughs> but he loves editing. Yeah. He loves yeah. using the iMovie app on his phone, and he will do the editing sometimes during games. Oh, and, wow. and, and he wow. can do it. Um, I've seen him where he'll be, it'll be one of his innings where he's calling it and he will be standing there calling the action and he will be recording what's on the no, field at the fantastic. same time. Wow. It, it really is. Amazing. He doesn't miss a beat, obviously with the call as, 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 a, as, as, as great as an announcer as there ever was in baseball. So um, John, John's been an absolute delight to work with it. And, uh, and we've had a, had a really great and fun relationship uh, together in the years I've been here with the giants. Dave, I'm trying to think of a good Dave story. Um, Dave is, I I will start off by saying that Dave Fleming is as versatile as an announcer and as solid as a professional as I've, I've come across in 30 years, I've been doing uh, sports radio. Um, he, Dave, he gets it. He is a guy that's going to be here for a long time. And he's obviously been part of the fabric of this team, the World Series run. He's in, involved in all the team, um, uh, team hosting events. Uh, Dave's one of those guys where they made the right pick with him back in the day, some 20 yeah. years ago, yeah. where um, they saw saw some great, um, I want to say potential because he's always had it, but they, they knew he was the right guy, and it, w- it definitely was uh, spectacular. Dave's got a tremendous sense of humor, and he knows how to, you know, when he does games with John, he, Dave was a guy that grew up in Virginia listening to John on the radio. So think about that. That's it's that's kind of it, it's 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 amazing to think that you grew up listening to a guy on the radio and then you would eventually be his partner on the Oh radio. yeah. I mean, yeah, it happens. It's happened throughout any professional sports, but um it, it's something that that's definitely very uncommon. Um, but he he's as good and he knows how to roll with the punches. He knows how to react. If John asks him a, a question and, and Dave's Dave knows uh, he always brings an interesting angle to it. And he has a lot of fun, great sense of humor. All four guys have great senses of humor. So that's, that's part of the key too. And I think it really translates well on the air. Brad, Brad and I have a friend uh, by the name of Robert Portnoy. Robert was doing broadcasting when we were, he was a really good golfer back in the day in, in college and he went into broadcasting. He actually got all the way to the. Uh, I think he was in the Milwaukee Brewers. He did their Triple A, Triple A team, uh, the Dodgers in Albuquerque. Okay, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I thought yeah. he had told yeah. me that he did some of the Prince Fielder teams. You know what? In he Milwaukee. might have. He might have done that too. And then he went uh, with the Indians organization. He was yeah. in uh, Indianapolis, uh, and then back over to Albuquerque. So anyway, I was talking to Robert one day, and he was like, "Hey, I heard this story of how 
Dave Fleming got the Giants job. And I was like, oh, now this is what he had heard. Obviously, he didn't talk to Dave about this, but he said that he he had heard that the Giants were actually listening to the partner, whoever was doing the Stanford games with Dave back then. And then they heard him and was like, no, we like this guy better. So I don't know if that story is true, but I've told it to so many people like it is true (laughs) over the years. It is one of my favorite stories because, and the reason why I think it's believable is because like you said, Dave is super versatile. If you hear his voice, he doesn't have this like overpowering voice. He doesn't have this showbiz voice. Mm-hmm. He's got a very steady voice. Mm-hmm. He, but he has become our guy. Like he has become the consistent day in and day out guy for us uh, as Giants fans. And I kind of wonder if he could do basketball because I've heard him do football. I've heard him do baseball. I haven't heard him do basketball. Not to say that we need to replace fits or anything because I, I used to i used to screen calls for fits back in the day mm-hmm. that you know that was the guy that i used to always work on his shift so i was screening calls for him back in the day but I, I would love to hear dave call basketball i think he could do a pretty good job so well dave does do espn college basketball okay there we uh, go in the off season so catch, catch him there he's he's like i said it, it, it's he's solid on that too as well so it, it's not nothing that that should surprise anybody um but yeah in terms of doing all the all the sports whether it's college or pro I mean, he's he's got it covered, and he, well, I tell you what, he puts in a lot of miles as well. Um, even during the pandemic in, in 2020, when um, they they had to fly him out to North Carolina in the middle of August because they needed him to do the color off of TV, but he couldn't do it from San Francisco. So they had, and the game was in Oakland. He was doing an A's game. That's what it oh, was. Man. He was doing an A's game, but had to fly to North Carolina so he could do it in studio there, <laughs> wow. call the game off the monitor and then fly back. Jeez. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Oh my God. Hey, yeah. Darren, you've been awesome. You're somebody who I love chatting with. I'll text you here and there about something or other. Um, you've been great. People follow the, like if you're a Giants fan, follow Darren at, on Twitter at four one five DC. Like Darren will throw like little nuggets out at the end of games, like a certain yeah. call or whatever, and he'll he'll put it you know to to like a. The, I think you were talking about it, the little dots of the guys moving around yeah. and stuff. Um, he's got this great. We retweeted this this morning. But uh, you got the great thing from 2019 where you pulled all the old jingles from yeah. from the Giants lore from back in the day. The yeah, I feel memories. good and the come on Giants hang in there yeah. stuff. So follow Darren. Thanks again, man. You are awesome. Uh, love talking to you. And uh, we'll hopefully have you on again at some point. But I like I don't like to bother you during the season. I like to bother you when it's off season. When you're kind of, <laughs> you know, when you're not doing <laughs> games every day. Like you said, you got to show up three hours early. Like night game into day game you're back at the studio oh, or yeah. you're back at the park yeah. at like 9 a.m like that's yeah. ridiculous oh yeah it's nuts but guys uh, garrett brad thanks for having me on anytime guys it doesn't doesn't have to be off season only if you if, we, if you can catch me on the road because hopefully we'll be traveling there i'm sitting go. in my hotel room in atlanta in august i'm not going to be outside i guarantee you that <laughs> hell <laughs> yes <laughs> hell yes there we go that's what we're gonna do all right all right Excellent. follow darren Thank you, thanks darren. again man Thank you. You, were, you were awesome take care Thanks, guys. See ya. All right. Again, follow Darren on uh, Twitter, 415DC. What, what, a, what a guy. Just oh, a, yeah. great, a great human being. Uh, love talking to him. Love checking him out. Um, and, and again, he's a sneaky, great Twitter follow. He doesn't yeah. tweet a ton. Like He's not going to kill your, your uh, Twitter feed there. 
but uh, he 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 has he has some some great stuff when he does actually tweet. All right, Brad. So let's finish this off. Yep. I think we need to make a little bit of a costume change here. Oh, I'm going to take off this hat, yeah, yeah. this here Giants hat here. Here we go. All right, we're going. We're going NFC Championship look here. Is that what we're doing here? Yes, we're NFC in, we're, Championship look. We're going to end this show again. If you <laughs> have, uh, if you're just about the baseball, you can. <laughs> you you don't have to. Please don't listen. I don't. I don't want to sully our good names of. You know, we just had this great interview with the guy who yeah. runs the show uh, at KMBR on the the radio network, and then they're like, "Oh, but God, the football I mean, thing was." He nuts. did mention soundtrack. I love what I love when people say that soundtrack of my summer because I mean that sums it up just absolutely perfectly. Yeah, he's carrying the torch for something we grew up with so near and dear to our hearts. So so Darren means a lot to us. Uh, oh yeah, you know the broadcast means so much to us. So we really do appreciate him taking so much time coming on the show answering questions love to have him back again i mean yeah as as tech geeks (laughs) you and i could go on forever with darren about the tech side of stuff i don't know if some people are just like tech whatever yeah but um his stories with the broadcasters and everything else just absolutely fantastic all right last segment short segment hopefully on this show we've been building it up ever since the playoffs started Ever since Brad's team kind of let my team sneak into the playoffs, yeah, there I don't the know why the they did season. that. <laughs> uh, we we kind of thought like it would be kind of interesting if our teams met in the NFC Championship, and a lot of things had to happen uh, in in this in just weird ways overall for it to work out. Now the Niners were the uh, the sixth seed, the Rams were the four. Were you four? Uh, they three? ended up with uh, four, correct? Okay, yeah, we dropped from two to four because. We let you guys back in, and and then we went from two to four. So yeah, but uh, you know, this is this is a pretty big deal because the the 49ers and the Rams have not played in the NFC Championship game uh, in in quite a long time, over thirty years. It's been since we last did, and you know that that was the era of Montana and Rice, and I think a, a kind of a, an interesting hypothetical is. You know, how would those Montana Rice teams do against the Kurt Warner led Rams teams, the Mike Martz offense uh, teams there? That, that would be kind of an interesting thing. But, you know, here we are again. Uh, unfortunately for you, I think there's going to be a lot of Niner fans. Yeah. yeah. There this, are at SoFi this weekend. Yeah, this is like I like I told somebody yesterday. This is a rich man's game. I mean, <laughs> we, we're talking about. I mean, look at the state of the art SoFi Stadium. Yes, brand new. This is the first year they let fans in it because it opened last year. No fans. This year, first year of having it. So there have been some games where it has been insane. I mean, Rams fans everywhere, loud, boisterous, just crazy. Then there's the games where the Niners come into town and it's a sea of red. Um, There are a lot of Niner fans in Southern California, um, which is the opposite of baseball. And it's because the Rams left, went to St. Louis. Uh, They were there for what? uh, Almost 20 something years, 22 years. And that opens the door for Los Angeles to now become uh, you know, a base for whatever, whoever. They, they didn't have a team. They had Once no, the Rams were gone, there were no L.A. teams. Right, because the Raiders left a year, I think a year before the Rams did. Uh, and so there was nobody there. So you could be a Chargers fan 
I, I don't Maybe. think LA people wanted to be <laughs> San Diego fans. But then you had a lot of transplants from Northern California yeah, move down for sure. there. So, so that's what you have down there now are a lot of Niner fans living in Southern California. Um, so it's, but, but if you, I know it's going to be like a 50 50 crowd uh, this weekend. But if you ask me as a Rams fan, would I be more comfortable with the Rams playing at home against the Niners in, in a 50-50 crowd for the trip to the Super Bowl or going to snowy Green Bay where we always get our ass kicked? <laughs> I'd like to stay home and play the Niners. So, I mean, definitely not saying that that's a win. Um, I think it's just more of a doable game for, for the Rams team. Okay. I have one, I have one question for you about this mm-hmm. game. And then I'll answer the same question myself. Okay. Which is what it, what what are you worried about going into the game this weekend? I am worried about as every defensive coordinator should be worried about is Debo Samuel. Uh, how do you stop him? Uh the last time the Rams and Niners played, last two times the Niners ran the ball down our throats. The last time we played, the the Rams took a 17-3 lead at halftime, but the Niners still decided to run the ball. And and is that partly because of Jimmy G? I don't know. 100%. Um, 100%. Yeah. I I, I think it's just Shanahan loves controlling the the game. He he likes to be in control, and he feels like, the best way for him to be in control is for them to be able to run for sure. Well, and their zone run game and their sweep run game is absolutely ridiculous. And it's really, really, really hard to stop. So if you're getting chunk plays on that and you don't have to rely on putting the the ball in Jimmy G's hand to get chunk plays, keep doing it by all means. Um, The Rams should be getting two of their top defenders back this week. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day uh, has been out the entire season. He should be coming back. Ernest Jones, one of their main linebackers, should be coming back. Neither one of those guys played in the last game. I think SJD was out for the first game against the Niners. So that will help with the run defense quite a bit. Um, Matthew Stafford has been playing just absolutely lights out. But I think the the main thing is if the, if the Niners come out and they get the ball first and they run, 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 score a touchdown, I'm going to be nervous the entire rest <laughs> of the game. If the, if the Rams score and they go up, uh, if the Rams are up by 21 at the, at the start of the fourth quarter, I'm still nervous <laughs> because of the way the last game went against Tampa Bay and the way the last game went against the Niners. So I'm not going to be happy until – the zeros hit and the Rams are leading by one or more points. All right. The, 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 I, I have like a one A and a one B. And I okay. think if you are a team in the NFC West and you play the Rams twice a year, the person you're most worried about all the time is Aaron Donald. Yes. He can disrupt what you are trying to do almost by himself. Now, that the the last game of the season, they were able to to play him fairly well uh, late when they needed to, but he's going to make a number of plays every single game that matter, and you just have to try and find a way to, as much as possible, restrict that from him, for, restrict him from just taking over. Now, the second thing, and this I think this is just as important, if you watch that game yesterday. The one guy who Tampa Bay needs to stop is Cooper Cup. <laughs> the one guy you want to shade maybe an extra defender over is Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup, he is someone to be feared. 
My my uh, my main fear, maybe even more than Cooper Cup, is how does McVeigh strategically create plays so that a team has to cover Cooper Cup one on one? That is what is <laughs> what I'm afraid of because Cooper Cup goes deep for touchdowns, and I don't see anything other than one in one one on one coverage, which the defense does not want to do. So the yeah. scheming Cooper Cup open is my fear because when the Niners beat the Rams in the last game, I think he only had seven targets. And right. I feel like this weekend, it's probably going to be double the amount uh, from the last game. Well, and it's not even so much the scheming that McVay has to do. The the upgrade from Goff to Stafford has been huge in terms of Stafford, if you look at the deep 70-yard touchdown or the 60-yard touchdown pass to uh, Cooper Cup in the first half of the game yesterday against Tampa Bay, Stafford got the deep safety to go left while Cup was pretty much running a streak. He stuck to the left side of the field until the very last second and then quickly made the throw to the right, and Cooper Cup has everybody beat deep. Yep. So it's, I mean, Stafford does a really, really good job of looking people off, but he needs time. Yeah. And he did not have time against the Niners in the second half of that last game. He was just bombarded. The offensive line was completely overpowered. Uh, so that needs to change. If that doesn't change, we're in for pretty much the same game. We just saw a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, okay. So, you know, I think everyone who's been listening to us, listening to us know how we do it. I desperately want the Niners to get to the Super Bowl. But if they don't, I want Brad's team to get to the Super Bowl. So that's that's how I play it. Good luck to both teams. Well, that, that's going to happen. So, well, well, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're here but, now. <laughs> meaning I'm not going to be sour yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because even if, if my heart gets broken... At least Brad's team gets to make it. So, and you're the only Niner fan that I feel. <laughs> Just so you know, you, that's special. That's special. You're the, there are there are no other Niner fans that I would be happy for if the Niners won. You're the first person I think about when the Niners win. I go, oh, Garrett's happy today, so that yeah. that's good. Hey, I, I, I'm happy for that. I'm thankful for that. You know, we're we're too old to be childish about this stuff so no i know um, yeah i root i root for your guys and uh you know except when they play us but otherwise i want to see i want to see the rams do well because you're a diehard rams fan there's no fakeness about your no. passion for that team so it's been a long time and i've been sad for many many years so <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's it from here we hope that you enjoyed our interview with darren i appreciate him doing about double the time that I that I told him that we were going to have him on. What a guy. Um, and then, yeah, big NFC Championship game this weekend. Think of us. If you are not a football fan, and if you are a football fan, then I hope you enjoy the game as well. Whether or not Brad's team or my team wins, holy cow, someone is probably going to have to play the Kansas City Chiefs. And yeah. Jesus yeah. All right. Now, now the Rams. If the Rams could play the Chiefs, that'd be great. We needed that rematch from that fifty-four that to crazy 51. Monday Night Football game. Oh my gosh, that was so <laughs> much fun. We were looking for a rematch that year, but they couldn't get past New England, and then New England smacked us around. Yeah. But uh, but you know, I'm kind of looking for that rematch. I'd yeah. like to say, hey, the Rams can beat Mahomes again. That would be fun. 
but who knows? I no, it's know. it's it could be two rematches because you want rematch yeah. in, in that Monday night game, and the Niners want a little bit of revenge for the 2019 Super Bowl where yeah. they were in control until they were not in control, and then right. I blinked and we lost, and I couldn't believe it. So, <laughs> all right. So, thank you for listening to us. If you have the opportunity. Hit up Spotify and, or Apple Podcasts and give us a, a five-star review. or what? I don't even know what the Spotify version of a five-star oh, review sure. is. Maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, we would appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week. We'll probably talk a little bit about a, a survey that we had done on the air a couple weeks ago. That is, uh, The results are out there, and the results are pretty interesting to me. So yeah, I'd love oh, to go yeah. over with Brad. Uh, hopefully there will be more stuff on the lockout. And if this works out, one of the guys who asked the question to Darren, who I was joking, you know, his good old days are 2005. Uh, Rom, who is the host of the BAM baseball podcast with his partner, Ryan. I want to get him on because he's doing some fun things. He's getting a lot of guests. He had like a Cleveland Guardians beat or no uh, Arizona Diamondbacks beat writer. And then there was another guy. Who, who did some stuff for the Guardians who he got on. So he's he's asking people to nice. get on his show. He's doing some interviews. Young uh, young voice in, in the baseball podcasting world. So hopefully at some point we can get Rom on, maybe next week. But that's what we're looking forward to doing. So for Brad, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>